focus on headline. And let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio today, we have our reporters in Handan and Che Jihee. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. Jihee? Yeah. Filling in yesterday. Yes. She did a fantastic job, I hear. It was really hard. I really admire and respect you, SJ. Arafas, <laughs> uh, SJ, what do you think of G's performance yesterday? Uh, let's just say uh, she is no longer going to be filling in for me anymore. <laughs> Uh, as I am going to be protecting my job. As Jay feels threatened. <laughs> I do, I do. Great job. I, we do, I do really, uh, all joking aside, I do really appreciate you doing a fantastic job, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, enjoyed it. Guys, uh, let's get the latest updates on the key local by-election uh, held in Seoul yesterday, resulting in, I guess, not much of a surprise, according to many pundits out there, uh, victory for the candidate from the main opposition Democratic Party in Jin Gyo-hun, uh, winning way over 50% of the votes in the Gangsa ward. Gee, uh, start us off. Let's get the latest on the by-elections. Sure. So in the by-election for the head of Seoul's Gangsa district office held Wednesday, yesterday that is, a race closely monitored to gauge voter sentiment ahead of next year's general elections. Jin Gyo-hun, the Democratic Party's candidate, won receiving 56.52% of the votes, or 100 137,066 votes of 500,603 eligible voters in the district. Now, this compares with 39.37% for his rival from the ruling People Power Party, Kim Tae-woo, according to the National Election Commission uh, early Thursday. Now, the agency said voter turnout was tallied at 48.7%, and Jin was 17.15 percentage points ahead of Kim. Now, the outcome isn't a huge surprise, as the Gangsa Ward in Western Seoul is traditionally a uh, liberal stronghold, but the gap was a little higher than expected, and we'll talk about that in more detail mm. later on. Uh, now, for the by-election, there were six candidates, though the competition was essentially a two-way race between Chin, uh, who's a former National Police Agency Deputy Commissioner General, and Kim, the immediately preceding former Gangsa District Chief. Now, to give you a brief background of the new Gangsa District Chief, Jin is a native of Jeonju uh, in North Jeolla province. He's also a graduate of Korean National Police University, and he's served in key posts in the Seoul Metropolitan Police Agency, as well as the National Police Agency. Uh, he also served as chief of the Jeonbuk Provincial Police Agency, and accepting the victory, Jin said this election is a victory of common sense, a victory of principles, and a great victory for the people of Gangsa District. He also promised to use every minute and second to fill the vacuum and normalize district administration. Now, Kim, on the other hand, conceded his defeat in a statement, uh, apologizing, first of all, to his supporters and congratulating Jin, asking him to take good care of the people's livelihood for the development of Gangsa District. Now, the by-election came as Kim, who was elected as Gangsa District Chief in uh, local government elections in June 2022, was removed from office in May after the Supreme Court handed him a suspended prison sentence on charges of leaking government secrets gained while working for a special inspection team under the previous Moon Jae-in administration. Uh, but then President Yoon Seok-yeol granted a presidential pardon for Kim in August, uh, reinstating Kim's right to run for office. 
Now, though having contested over a relatively obscure uh, Seoul district office chief position, both the PPP and DP have been throwing their full force into campaign efforts in the area as they test the waters in the metropolitan area uh, ahead, ahead of the April 2024 general elections. So again, uh, it gets quite interesting with this by-election because again, Kim Tae-woo was running that position. Uh, but of course, with the suspended prison, uh, prison sentence, uh, the vacancy the vacancy is the exact reason for why this by-election uh, was held in the first place. But despite the fact after the pardon and him being able to run for uh, the office once again, and I think a lot of people were taken back or taken back by surprise that he was going to be running once again. And so a lot of pundits were saying, I mean, surely this is going to be uh, a, 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 I guess, a landslide victory for Jin. Uh, but still, given the fact that, I mean, you know, Kim Tae-woo did kind of hold the uh, the position before, maybe uh, some of the, uh, the voters are still going to lean towards uh, Kim. But again, it does seem like some were surprised at the fact that it's just about a year and a half later that they've the voters have turned its back against Kim. So, Tan, let's uh, take us back to the local elections, uh, the uh, local elections once again. Well, in the June 1st local elections held last year, Kim Tae-woo beat his opponent, Kim Sung-hyun of the main opposition Democratic Party 50% to 48%, becoming the new chief of the Gangseo Ward office. He won the neck-and-neck -neck race by only two percentage points. And this, as the local elections proved to be a landslide victory for the ruling People Power Party last year. And voter sentiment in the Gangseo district also tilted towards the ruling party in the Seoul mayoral by-election held in 2021 as well. If you remember, current mayor Oh Se-hun garnered 56% from the Gangseo district, while his rival Song Young-gil of the Democratic Party earned only about 42%. But the table began to turn when outgoing Kangsa War Chief Kim Tae-woo was accused of disclosing classified government information. Kim was accused of leaking state intelligence, including an alleged bribery involving former ambassador to Russia and former Korea National Railway Chief, uh, as well as classified reports released by the presidential inspection team. Kim worked for a special inspection team under the chief presidential secretary for civil affairs during the previous Moon Jae-in administration. Kim received a one-year prison term, suspended for two years, on charges of leaking official secrets, which automatically removed him from the office, which led to yesterday's Gangseo district by-election. Now, Kim was granted a special presidential pardon on Liberation Day in August. And to the surprise of many, like you briefly mentioned, SJ, the ruling People Power Party chose Kim once again as the candidate uh, for the by-election. And on top of this, Kim also came under fire for making inappropriate remarks related to by-election costs. During the ruling party's election committee launching ceremony, he said the election cost of four billion one is, quote unquote, a cute commission uh, compared to the amount he'll earn after getting elected. And this stirred loud controversy. And uh, Kim was up against uh, mounting criticism from voters and politicians alike. And one year and four months later, voter sentiment in the Gangseo district turned against him. Uh, choosing uh, the Democratic Party's Jin Kyo-hun as their new office chief. Now, the high voter turnout uh, of 
22.7%. Also, uh, as well as the early voting turnout of 22.6%, the highest in Korea's by-elections, is widely interpreted interpreted as uh, the people of Gangsa, especially the centrists, mm-hmm. uniting to express their discontent against Kim. And some also point out that the results reflected the failure of Kim's uh, campaign strategy that centered on the punishment of opposition chief Lee Jae-myung. The tactic obviously lost power as Lee's arrest warrant was rejected two weeks ago. Uh, Meanwhile, following the ruling of PPP's crushing defeat, uh, Gender Equality and Family Minister nominee Kim Heng withdrew herself from consideration uh, this afternoon amid calls from uh, the opposition that uh, she's unfit for the job due to a slew of controversies. Kim has come under fire uh, during a parliamentary confirmation hearing over various suspicions, including those related to Wicketry, an online news outlet co-founded by her. So again, many pundits were already predicting even before the, even the uh, the, the uh, early votings began that uh, DP's Jin was going to have a easy victory over Kim uh, because of again it is suspended prison sentence and of course there's uh, all of the controversies surrounding that and the fact that the vacancy was because of Kim and I again I, I can't stress this enough a lot of people were very surprised that the PPP chose Kim Tae-woo uh, to run for the office once again but we have to look at the gap between the two candidates. It's a difference of 17 percentage points, uh, which was a lot higher than I think some had expected. And of course, this is going to be a key gauge as to what's going to happen next general elections, is what a lot of people are saying. And it seems like both parties seem to be now planning strategies ahead of the general elections next year. So, gee, what can we expect from both parties now? Well, the by-election was perceived as a crucial local government election in the country, uh, like you said, as it's seen as a precursor to the general election scheduled for next year. Now, the ruling People Power Party was not surprised by losing Gangseogu uh, district, which was already an opposition stronghold. However, as the party put in all its resources and fought hard, even if it lost, it was expected to have a close race. But then the surprising gap in the outcome is likely to trigger calls for a party renewal before the upcoming general election. And the debate uh, over responsibility is expected to also intensify. Now, it's clear that the strategy in response to the election has failed for the ruling party. Uh, the nomination of Kim Tae-woo, former head of the Gangseo District Office, who was the cause for the by-election, and the formation of a campaign team with influential members uh, can be all seen as controversial. And there's also the possibility that non-mainstream party members might demand a reorganization of the party's positions, including a reshuffle of the presidential staff and cabinet. Now, although the leadership received much of the blame for the defeat, it's really difficult to attribute all of it to them. Uh, And also, there is a perception that the outcome of the regional election is not uh, necessarily indicative of uh, public sentiment in the upcoming general election. So it seems that drastic measures such as replacing the leadership or forming an emergency committee are unlikely to be taken. And in order to recover quickly 
from their defeat. The ruling party uh, intends to establish a planning team for the general election and expedite uh, the process of reviewing party affairs and recruiting talent as well. Now, on the other hand, uh, the Democratic Party, which achieved a great victory, as they say, sees the election results as a public demand to hold the uh, UN administration accountable and rein in its aggressive policies. Now, the fact that Yoon defeated the candidate he pardoned and reinstated by a double-digit margin is a clear indication of how the public perceives the current government. And this is according to the Democratic Party's analysis. And the party plans to leverage this win and carry the momentum uh, into next year's general election. And this, the results have really given a boost to the uh, Democratic Party, paving the way for them to lead the regular parliamentary session, including the national audit and budget situation. And also the dismissal of the arrest warrant has also helped uh, solidify Lee Jae-myung's system as well. And the victory of this recent election, which is considered a, once again, barometer for next year's general election, helped reduce uh, Lee's judicial risk. And this is also according to the Democratic party. So again, a lot of people might be saying, well, if the Gangsa ward was traditionally a liberal stronghold, how in the world was Kim Tae-woo able to mm. uh, manage to get that? But there was a huge shift in the political uh, sentiment uh, amongst a lot of the voters, especially in Seoul. A lot had to do with the real estate issues. And so uh, a lot of people kind of blamed uh, the pre previous uh, Moon administration's uh, failed real estate policies. Remember, there was large number of real estate policies that were put in. It just kind of made things worse. And so a lot of voters, basically, especially in Seoul, uh, and a lot of them uh, towards the, the, the Western side, again, the Western side, usually traditionally uh, a liberal stronghold, but even them, they were affected by this and they say, you know what, we're tired of the liberal, uh, the progressive uh, Democratic Party. We're going to shift over to the PPP, see what kind of changes we're going to see. The, the Seoul mayoral race was a little bit different because of the huge controversy with the previous uh, Seoul mayor. So it was not surprising that uh, Mayor uh, Oh Se-hoon was able to win the election there. But even if you look at the presidential election from last year and the uh, the districts uh, for Seoul, Kang Seo still managed to get the majority of the DP votes uh, when Lee Jae-myung was running for this. Like, you look at Yangcheon, which was 51% like towards uh, President Yoon Suk-yeol. Yeongdeung-po uh, area was 51.6. And even Dongjak, Mapo. Like, President Yoon Suk-yeol barely got those victories there, which obviously you saw from the, uh, the presidential election last year was really a slim, slim margin of victory for Yoon. And, and so a lot of the political pundits are basically saying, whether or not uh, the PPP voters are going to continue to come out and vote uh, conservative uh, for the by-elections for Gangsa uh, was going to be key. And so if the gap between, even if, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Jin was going to win, but the gap was only slim, there was a very good chance that come next general elections mm -hmm. that they still have the sentiment that the DP during the former uh, Moon administration did not do enough and we're going to change the National Assembly and we're going to flip it over to the conservative votes. But again, 17 percentage points is a vast, vast uh, difference in the vote there. Again, we'll keep a close tab. And then again, we are now about six months away from the general elections, a half a year now. Uh, it is going to be a major, major political event that we'll all have to keep a close tab on. So we'll look at that. But uh, let's talk about uh, opposition leader uh, Lee Jae-myung. 
uh, it seemed like maybe his worst legal issues were averted when the court rejected his arrest warrant, although it doesn't yet mean that he's guilty or not guilty just yet. Uh, but uh, it seems like his legal troubles are going to continue. You had the prosecution indicting him over corruption charges uh, without physical detention. This, of course, involving the land development project in Sungnam. Uh, Tan, let's get more details on this. Sure. Lee is accused of multiple charges that include corruption, abuse of authority, violation of the election law, subordination of perjury, and many others. And investigations are ongoing on separate cases, uh, the trials of which uh, have already begun. And today, prosecutors indicted Lee without physical detention over charges of breach of trust, bribery, and others committed during his term as the mayor of Seongnam from 2014 to 2018 in connection with a scandal-ridden land development project in the city's Pundang district. Now, Lee is accused of committing a breach of trust worth 20 billion won by giving special treatment to a private developer involved in an apartment project in Baekhyun-dong of Seongnam, which caused over 20 billion billion in damage to the Seongnam Urban Development Corporation. The private developer, while independently carrying out the Baekhyun-dong project, was found to have received preferential treatment that included reducing the ratio of rental apartments and approval for the installation of illegal retaining walls. The prosecution believes chairman of the private developer named Jung Baul was an acquaintance of an election broker named Kim in who helped Lee Jae-myung clinch his victory in the Seongnam mayoral race. And Kim is suspected of using his connection to Lee to help Chairman Jung Ba-ul lead the Baekhyun-dong project and getting over 7 billion won from Jung in return. The Baekhyun-dong case is, as you know, separate from Lee's corruption cases involving the Daejang-dong mm. and Wire land development project, uh, the first trial of which took place last week. And because uh, the two cases are similar in nature, the prosecution plans to request for a merge of the two cases uh, before proceeding further with the trials. Prosecutors, meanwhile, are also speeding things up to regard uh, regarding Lee's cases of illegal remittance to North Korea uh, and his violation of the election. Yeah, so this is going to be the big kicker again. I keep mentioning the the general election for next year because uh, it does seem right now, and and the the support rate for uh, President Yoon Suk Yeol has been kind of shifting around the thirty five to forty percent range, uh, depending on which uh, uh, survey you look at. As high as like forty something percent, but as low as thirty five percent was, I think, the recent one that we've seen. Uh, but whether or not they're going to uh, go. Majority keep the National Assembly at the Democratic Party is going to be key, but the PPP is going to continue to use the Lee Jae-myung case. Uh, He is going to be potentially a liability for the Democratic Party in retaining the National Assembly is what they're saying uh, at this time. And if you remember, one of the what could have been they were saying Lee Jae-myung could have easily won the presidential election if not for his legal issues. Right at the time, there was a lot of speculation. At the time, it was only speculations, and even that the voters were saying, well, I mean. We don't want to, 
you know, pick a person that might have legal issues uh, and, of course, combine that with uh, a lot of people who have been uh, very uh, disappointed with the previous Moon Jae-in administration, especially over the real estate issue. But is the real estate issue a thing of the past for some of the voters? And is the Lee Jae-myung legal risk and legal issue going to be the big thing moving into the uh, general election? That's going to be key, which is why I believe some of the DP members remember the arrest motion uh, vote at the National Assembly. A large number of the DP and the so-called anti Lee Jae-myung kind of voted in favor of the arrest motion, thinking he's going to be a liability. But now we'll have to see because it's going to be I'm sure the court hearings and the trials and things like that is going to lead into next year's uh, general election. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun for us to watch, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, let's move on here. Hundreds of North Korean defectors have been forcefully uh, repatriated by China uh, shortly after the Hangzhou Asian Games, uh, this according to uh, several sources. Uh, Chi, let's get the latest details of this. Right. So China has forcibly uh, repatriated North Korean defectors held in domestic detention centers on the 9th. That's according to several defector support groups. They said children and pregnant women who were, uh, they were also summoned and criticized China's such barbaric actions as not unlike those of Hamas. But then there are also some uh, cautious voices calling for more facts regarding this. And according to the JM Missionary Union, which has been working to rescue North Koreans, uh, the repatriation took place in several Chinese cities simultaneously. And it said Beijing and Pyongyang had previously agreed that the uh, repatriation would take place immediately after the Asian Games. Now, according to an official at the JM Missionary Union, at around 7.30 p.m. local time on the 9th, uh, this took place secretly uh, and in various Chinese customs offices along the border between North Korea and China. And these people were, in fact, arrested during the COVID-19 pandemic and kept in Chinese detention centers. Uh, Peter Jung, head of the North Korean Solidarity for Justice, also said that a large number of North Koreans had been repatriated uh, through the North Korean-Chinese border and that these have taken place simultaneously in several areas, as I said earlier. And this includes cities such as Tumen, uh, Huncheon, and Changbai, etc. Uh, he said North Korea had closed its borders and refused to uh, repatriate uh, eight, uh, defectors from China due to COVID-19. But as both China and North Korea have relaxed their anti-COVID policies, the Chinese authorities have apparently uh, urged North Korea to accept their defectors. Meanwhile, South Korea's foreign ministry said on the 11th that it had no confirmation on whether China actually repatriated uh, North Koreans immediately after the Asian Games. And it said the government is making diplomatic efforts to ensure that North Koreans living abroad are not forcibly repatriated and can safely and quickly go to their desired, uh, desired destinations. And also regarding the matter, Unification Minister Kim Myung-ho uh, responded by saying he was looking into the facts and watching with great concern. Yeah, I mean, it's it's highly unlikely because uh, North Korea and China being traditionally allies, right? Uh, although kind of China treats North Korea as that uh, brother that they wish never was a brother, uh, but they still have to take care of them because they're brothers, right? Uh, but 
what we saw in reports uh, prior to all this was the fact that these uh, Chinese detention centers, they were expanding in size. They were building new centers because I think they were running out of space was what it was. Uh, but the big question, of course, is what goes on into these detention centers. And we've, of course, talked with uh, our guests like uh, Chung Char mm-hmm. on what goes on after they're repatriated into North Korea. Uh, but some of them still risk their lives again uh, to defect at North Korea, and uh, it certainly shows what kind of uh, uh, dire situation these North Koreans go through for, for them to risk their lives mm-hmm. uh, and to continually uh, run off uh, to China before they uh, hopefully go to a third-party country there. Uh, U.S. Special Envoy for North Korean Human Rights Issues, uh, Julie Turner. Uh, she's going to be officially beginning her term real soon. Uh, this has the U.S. State Department plans to wrap up related nomination procedures within this week. So, Tan, let's get the latest on that. Right. A career official at the U.S. Department of State, Julie Turner, is expected to begin her duty soon, filling in the position that was left vacant for the past six years. Korean-American Turner was the director of East Asia and Pacific Affairs at the State Department's Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights and Labor. The State Department is speeding things up to wrap uh, wrap up related procedures, as it has already been nearly nine months since she was appointed by President Joe Biden. Uh, Biden appointed her in January and the U.S. Senate approved the nomination in July. And former Special Envoy for North Korean Human Rights uh, Issues Robert King criticized that Washington is not moving quickly enough to fill the important position that has been left empty for over six years. Washington explained that this is uh, because it's the first uh, North Korea human rights envoy in so many years. It's being more prudent and hence it's taking that much more time. But in an op-ed to the uh, U.S. uh, think tank CSIS, King wrote that the U.S. Senate was more efficient 15 years ago uh, when his nomination as the special envoy uh, was submitted. He wrote in details that he had meetings with uh, senators and his confirmation hearing also came very quickly just about six weeks later. Um, And uh, he stressed that his confirmation required less than two months. But in contrast, Julie Turner's confirmation required more than six months. And uh, Robert King slamming the Biden administration for having been far more sluggish in moving on uh, with North Korean human rights issues spoke highly of South Korea's Yoon administration. He highlighted that uh, within a few months after South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol took office, Professor Yi Xinhua was appointed and sworn in as South Korea's ambassador for North Korea human rights issues. King noted that South Korea has refocused its attention on North Korean human rights in the United Nations uh, and its international policies. Turner is uh, scheduled to attend the Korea Policy Forum hosted by George Washington University next week as the special envoy and deliver a keynote speech. But again, I mean, the, the big criticism with this is whoever runs the position as human rights uh, ambassador and so forth. You could have all sorts of special envoy names and titles, uh, but there's little that's being done that, or mm-hmm. they can do. And that's the frustrating part, right? I mean, it's more symbolic than anything to have appointed somebody, whether, for example, like during the Trump administration, they didn't really appoint anybody because Trump was buddy buddies with Kim Jong-un and things like that. But then now they're you know appointing someone else and that kind of shows that they don't really like what's going on in North Korea. And it's become more symbolic than anything. And the fact of the matter is there's nothing 
that's being done. It's only words, and as long as North Korea, because North, North Korea is not going to go. Oh my goodness, I'm really. We apologize. Uh, the the envoy <laughs> guys, the envoy came and they said we need to correct what we're doing right now. So cynical. Yeah, it's not going to happen. That's the, and that's the frustrating thing, right? And so, I mean, there needs to be some sort of dialogue. Even if there is dialogue, North Korea is going to continue to deny the fact that there's mm. human rights violation going on. So. That's that, right? Uh, speaking of which, Japanese media reporting that North Korea has increased its public execution of people since declaring the end of the COVID-19 pandemic, although uh, they have long said there's been no COVID-19 problems in the country. Uh, Gee, let's get the details of this. Mm. So Tokyo Shimbun reported on Wednesday that North Korea has increased its public executions since declaring the COVID-19 crisis resolved in August last year, citing an official familiar with the country's internal affairs. Now, before the pandemic, North Korea publicly executed around 10 people per year. However, in the past year, the number of public executions has exceeded 100. Now, the North Korean government reportedly reduced the number of public executions during the COVID-19 pandemic, and that was to prevent the spread of the virus. However, after declaring victory over this uh, pandemic, the number of public executions increased as human interaction uh, resumed. And according to an official's testimony reported by Tokyo Shimbun, uh, last month, a man was executed at Hezhan's airfield, which is in Yanggangdo. It's a region bordering China. The executed man was reportedly accused of smuggling out wartime medical supplies. And also earlier this year, a teenager was publicly executed for violating laws that prohibit the distribution of South Korean dramas and music. Uh, and also several ad ad additional individuals have been apprehended in North Korea this year on charges of disclosing internal documents or photographs to foreign nations through cell phone inspections. And the newspaper has also reported that these are there are rumors circulating about their possible public execution. Now, the Japanese media outlet reported North Korea is believed to be trying to tighten uh, control and stifle the spread of the Korean wave or the South Korean cultural content by stoking fears among the population by increasing these public executions, adding that some North Koreans who watch the forced executions are reportedly fainting. They even suffered for, from insomnia and uh, aphasia. Yeah, I mean, we uh, had a chance to speak with uh, Han Song-mi, who is the, uh, the author, uh, co-author of her book, uh, Green Light to Freedom. And uh, she was she wrote in a book, I think she was like five years old when she saw a public execution take place. They, they do not care whether kids are around. And there's a reason why they have public executions is to stoke fear. Uh, tell people that this is what's going to happen to you uh, if you do so-and-so. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously the reason why they're so strict on these Korean contexts, South Korean contexts, is the fact that it shows them South Korea is so much better than the situation in North Korea, which is the complete opposite of what North Korea continues to pop propagate uh, to their people. Guys, we're going to now shift our gear, uh, shift our focus uh, to the latest on the Israel-Hamas armed conflict. Uh, the Palestinian Hamas militant group has was harshly condemned by the international community for a surprise attack on Israel uh, last weekend, which killed a large number of Jews uh, this more than uh, on a single day since the Holocaust. And that's a huge figure there. Uh, but now criticisms are also mounting on Israel because the Hamas-controlled Gaza Strip faces a deeper humanitarian crisis as Israel tightens its hold. number of Palestinians have also come out saying, 
we are not associated with the Hamas. Why are you targeting us? Tan, let's get the latest developments. Right. A humanitarian crisis is swiftly unfolding in Gaza as trapped residents, many cut, cut off from food and electricity, face a fifth day of Israeli airstrikes in response to Hamas, uh, Hamas's deadly attack. The Gaza Strip has been pummeled by airstrikes since Israeli defense chief ordered a complete siege on the area, including halting supplies of electricity, food, water and fuel. International aid groups say that damage to water, sanitation and hygiene facilities already disrupted services to more than 400,000 people. And according to the UN, more than 187,000 of Gaza's 2.3 million people have left their homes, the most since a 2014 air and ground offensive by Israel uprooted about about 400,000. Hospitals are also being targeted. A spokesperson with Gaza's health ministry said that Israeli strikes have targeted hospitals and medical crews, killing several healthcare staff members and making hospitals be overcrowded with injured people. He said there is a shortage of drugs, medical supplies, and a shortage of fuel for generators as well. And shortage of electricity, another huge problem. It's thought that the Gaza power plant, now the only source of electricity, could run out of fuel within days. Now, while Israel is being supported in its uh, retaliatory drive by the United States, Germany, France, and the United Kingdom, rights groups have expressed concerns about its attempts to collectively punish the entire population of Gaza. Israeli uh, fighter jets struck more than 200 targets in Gaza overnight, most of which were towers, residential buildings, civil and civil and service facilities, and many mosques as well. The death toll in Gaza now stands at over 900 according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health uh, and for the survivors trapped in a war zone unimaginable suffering awaits them over the coming days that include deliberate killings of civilians and brutal hostage taking now of course uh, Egypt who's uh, which has been uh, trying to mediate everything uh, they've proposed a ceasefire between uh, Israel and the Hamas uh, we have also the latest updates on the U.S. plan to rescue civilians from the region. Gee, uh, can we get the latest on that? Sure. So Al-Arabiya reported on the 11th that Egypt has proposed a six-hour ceasefire between Israel and the Hamas. Also, Reuters reported that Egypt has discussed with the United States a plan to deliver humanitarian aid to the Gaza Strip under a limited ceasefire. And an anonymous source told Reuters that this would be done through the border between Gaza and Egypt. Meanwhile, reports suggest that the United States is in talks with concerned nations about backup plans to evacuate American citizens as well as uh, Palestinian civilians from the Gaza Strip. And this comes amidst observations that Israeli ground forces are preparing to enter Gaza to launch an attack against Hamas. And also CNN reported on the 11th, citing Israeli officials that the U.S. is considering evacuating Americans and Palestinian civilians living in the region to uh, neighboring Egypt. And Americans with U.S. passports would be allowed to leave for Egypt through the Rafah border crossing in uh, southern Gaza, while Palestinians would be limited to 2,000 per day. 
However, the specific plans are under discussion and the final decision is expected to be made by Egypt because they control the border. And uh, the White House National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications, John Kirby, also confirmed at the briefing that the U.S. government is in discussions with Israel and Egypt over the evacuation of civilians. Yeah, so the concerning thing that now it's uh, it's going to, the, the tensions are flaring even higher right now because I believe the Israeli forces mm-hmm. have now begun deploying ground troops of some 300,000, uh, not only towards the Gaza Strip, but they're also uh, putting some towards the, uh, the border of northern Lebanon. Uh, because what they're saying is that a number of militant groups in like Lebanon, right, the Hezbollah, uh, they're firing rockets into Israel and so forth. Now, this could potentially pan out into a war uh, or an armed conflict or, I mean, again, very treading carefully with the word war, word war right now, uh, armed conflict with some of the other neighboring countries at this moment. Uh, but we saw President Yun Sagar strongly condemning the Hamas militant groups, what he called indiscriminate attack on Israel, uh, calling it an act of towards, uh, terrorism in clear violation of international law. Now, his remarks came as he met with a visiting U.S. Senate delegation. Uh, Tan, let's get the latest on this. President Yoon met with a six-member bipartisan U.S. delegation, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who are on their Asia trip to South Korea, China, and Japan. The top office in a press release said that the president and the Senate delegation condemned Hamas's indiscriminate attack on Israel and agreed that South Korea and the United States will play a constructive role in easing regional tensions and maintaining stability to help end the deadly violence. This marked the first time... Uh, President Yoon has issued an official message on the conflict since Hamas launched a surprise attack on Israel five days ago. On North Korea, President Yoon stressed that strong solidarity among South Korea, U.S. and Japan are uh, is more important than ever, saying that North the, the North's nuclear threats are becoming bolder. He also called for continued interest from the U.S. Congress in the legislation of bills uh, such as the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act that could lead to uh, expanded bilateral cooperation. In response, Schumer said South Korea is the U.S. uh, Washington's key partner in all aspects, including security, the economy and culture, vowing to continue sending full support to further strengthen uh, the Seoul-Washington alliance and economic cooperation. There you have it, guys. I want to thank you guys very much for coming in today with your reports. Gee, once again, thank you very much for filling in yesterday. A lot of people uh, commenting on why you're dressing like a biker person uh, as opposed to how you dressed yesterday. But thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your week, and uh, we'll see you guys again. Thank, thank you. you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application, or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.